feels to me that I've been at war with technology the last three months. <laughs> and uh, I just said to Adele, this week the Holy Spirit just really ministered to me and he said to me, the boundaries is in your head. You know, <clears throat> we as ministers or musicians or even you coming to church, we, we used to a certain feeling, you know, a certain way uh, we sit together and, and you get sort of comfortable in a certain space. And the Holy Spirit says, I'm never located. I'm never located. I'm omnipresent. I, I'm everywhere. And the thing is, God responds to faith. And the restrictions you have is the lack of faith. He says, he who believes, anything will be possible. So yesterday I recorded a video on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I felt such an anointing. And I felt such a release that I felt, if anyone is going to listen to this video, the same Spirit that baptized me in the, in the Holy Spirit and baptized you can baptize anyone listening right now. By faith. Amen? You know, there's nothing God can't do. And uh, so... How many of you have been experiencing that God has been washing our eyes lately? Just what Francho has been saying, you know, he just is washing our perspective. And uh, when our leadership team were sitting in the week, we now adult, she totally made him a car, you know, and I am me, her, I think, more than anything, putting her on the, on the spot at times. But as our leadership came together after last Sunday about the message on on seeing the eyes, the lamp of the body, you know, and if the eye is healed and well, then the whole body is full of light. And then I said, you don't see with your eyes, you actually see with the perceptions of your brain that transforms and, you know, look at the data, process the data, and then it forms an idea, an ideology, a perspective, a worldview, a belief system, and so forth, and so forth. And all the kids, the small children, they will say, Ma, what is this? What is this? And uh, just put uh, the sound off on the computer, else it will make noise. <coughs> so, and then they will say, Wonder, who proved it? And if you one time proved it, then you will never again, Joshua. No, I don't know what I'm talking about. Wonder, who proved it to make this thing fit? And I think, okay, I'm not going to make you fit. So your perceptions are formed, you know, and how you view the world. And I don't think we have any idea how we can be restricted by data. That our brain is telling us this is so. Because of experiences. It's a huge thing. People believe, I remember my mother couldn't swim. So I would always wanting to get her into the water. And so one day I decided, okay, no, said no. This farm, 
you know, it's now the opportune time. So I got her into the bathing suit. That was a miracle already. And then finally I got her into the water. And the construct of fear in her mind is so real. She, she can't leave the side and let me hold her. She said, it took me a long time to just hold her in the water that she can float, that she can feel the sensation of floating. You know? and then, uh, that's about as far as I got with that swimming lesson, lesson, lesson for the day. <laughs> All right, so, <clears throat> you know, if we begin to think about all the, the perceptions we have about ourselves, what we have about people, it's all formed by what we see. Now, I think if you have this perspective that we're talking about, and I was thinking of Jesus. Remember, for 30 years, he was a spectator. He didn't preach. He was just looking at how we worked, how we do things. You know, and I was thinking, I think I can jij in the straat gaan sit for a year or three. Kijk ons dit nou mense. Ek dink ons gaan baie beter Kijk vir so he, I think it's what he did. He looked at all these humans, what they're doing, worked with them, heard their cursing, heard the things they value, saw what they felt is important, what were they angry about, and uh, what, what wouldn't they care about. So if you think about it, Jesus had 30 years to prepare the sermon. And when he started preaching, he says, blessed are you, you can just turn the sound off a little bit. Uh, Jan Hendrik knows how to do that. It's just so, it's a little bit too loud. Uh, he says, Blessed is those who mourn. Now, how many of you know that there's definitely in this world nothing that corrects your eyesight of values as losing a loved one? How many know what I'm talking about? When you go through death experience of losing someone close to you, suddenly you value life in a whole new way. You think, I should have spent more time with this person. I should have done this. I should have done that. Uh, you didn't care. But so Jesus looks and says, Ah, oh, yeah, yalla, let me tell you, those who mourn, they are actually seen. Blessed are they. <laughs> and then he says, Blessed are the poor in spirit. The simple. Uh, said, are they? They will inherit the kingdom. You know what? If you're too clever, you're not interested in God's kingdom because His kingdom is simple. And uh, so, that, you know, the whole thing. Then it's, well, you guys, you say then this thing and you make a vow, and then you say this thing and you make a vow. They say, who can't you know so forget? Let your yah, your yah, yes, and your near, your near. Just let your yes be your yes. It's again, it's a way of looking at things. So I want you to go and read Matthew 5 and 6 again, but now read it from the perspective of this sermon, of this thing. The lamp is the eye of the body. If the eye is healed, the whole body is full of, of light. And the, the whole sermon on the mount, which we call the Beatitudes, it's actually the right attitudes to be. Okay? And he's actually showing that... Your heart determines how you live. Iemand wat barmhartig is. Hy sê, blessed is die barmhartig is. Hoekom? Hy sê, they will inherit the earth. 
So what is he looking at? He says, these guys, wat barmhaftig is, het nie limits nie. Moeder Teresa, kon nie, sy het net geen limits gehad nie. She came eventually in front of the UN. Want barmhaftigheid does that. Now that we are showing mercy to people and giving them food, there's no restrictions to the church in Clan William. We had a leadership meeting the other night, all the churches said, we have never had so much significance as a church as right now in, Uga- in, in Clan William. And it's because we're showing mercy to people, giving them food, and uh, soon we're going to build the homeless people new homes. How many want to be part of that? We're going to build seven structures, little homes. So gaan jylle gebruik, jylle moet kom. And uh, I want to do that thing on television, you know that whole thing where they build a house for a family and they move the caravan away and, say, and then voila, you have this house. <laughs> and then I go, maybe we, could try, we can try to do that. So, you can chase money that looks important, wealth, you can chase popularity, you can chase all these things, but it will leave you empty and dry because you need more. Now, I want you to, you know, just think for a moment. When my first job was an estate agent, I was just uh, studying and doing Bible school, and actually not, I, I, I had, my first job was packing shelves at Woolworths before I would go to class. So my first year, four o'clock, we get up, half past four, we're at Woolworths, so we pack all the shelving, and it was a nice deal, they didn't pay you much, but you get all the, the pass-by date stuff. And man, will is it like a course? We finally we had the that uh, peppermint tap wat oud is, is nog steeds lekker, boetie. <laughs> so, uh, I felt that's a lekker job. And uh, then I would go to class, and then after class, I would go to uh, the library. And uh, my favorite pastime in the li- library was Obelix and Asterix books. I read all of them over and over. <laughs> and it's cool because, you know, you need to stand behind the desk and look important, but yeah, Die onder, van niemand kyk nie, en blaai ek dier die Asterix books. <laughs> and uh, trying to study as well. But uh, when you go and value a property, you have a criteria. And you, you know, see three bedrooms, two bathrooms, it has one garage, has a swimming pool, and then you look at sort of the location, and you look at all the different options that people can have, it makes the house more valuable, and then you gives it a value. You actually get a guy who does this. What I would like is to become a valuator of classic cars. But I call it a ray. <laughs> because to me, you know, these old cars that they rebuild, and as I look at it, it's really something special. And then again, there's a criteria. You know, it has to be a very unique model, only few made. Um, has to be, you know, some special features like the first Feifterrad gearbox that ever came out and that sort of more, uh, have more value. Now, how many of you know that in the world, in life, we do this with people too? Jy moet nie my so heilig aankyk. Ons kyk die man en as hy smaal en het een paar tanden missing, dan glij hy af op die skal. Come on, be honest. <laughs> You know, and then, you know, 
certain, certain that's a problem in South Africa with racism, is you have a certain color then also, you know, that it has an effect. And, uh, and then, you know, the person's clothes, you look at the sort of the clothes you wear. Um, I just look at how people walk. Yes, sit me off. I, get a, I, I did some recruiting for a hotel. So they asked me to do uh, recruiting waiters. I had a one-minute recruiting. I have the waiter walk in. And by the time they get to my table, they're either, either hired or fired. Because think of it. I mean, a waiter doesn't do much. But the first impression of a waiter walking into you, I mean, you can see a lot. Right there. I don't need to have an interview. I mean, I, I'm, you're not hired for how clever you are. I look at your nails. I look at your hands. I look at, you know, your posture and are you friendly. And you, it sounds very harsh what I'm saying. But it's like, you know, so we have this. I mean, how many of you want a doctor to work on you? You know, and say, das is kief, and say, clear is stickend, and say, hara staan soe, and say, naals is fail, you know, and he says, okay, let me operate on you. <laughs> now, before I get on the tangent here, my first point tonight, and I'm, I want to share tonight about cell value, because you see, we said last week that how we value people, how we value ourselves has, a, has an effect. Now, it's interesting that the Bible says that love your neighbor as yourself. Now, the word as is an equal word. So it, you can actually say, love yourself equally as you love your neighbor. That's a stronger word. So it means to the same measure that you love yourself, you need to love your neighbor. Now the problem is that if you don't do this, then self-value sermons become a way to get entitled. We, we have, in the modern generation, post-modern generation, we have the most entitled generation ever. Because we told them, you're a princess, you're prachtig, you're special, you're mama's best kind. Listen, my father was in the oorlog geworden. He was not so blij that he had a long broek gekry for the first time and gaan het acht. He tells me the story. He says he got his first long trousers when he was at standard six, uh, standard eight, 16 years old. Got his first sort of ordentlijke shoes. And he was so happy about it. And then his dad says to him, Gaan werk. I think I've got your broek in my life. You know, it's like a hard life. Now, you know, we feel sorry for our kids. And at the moment they sort of go through hardship, we feel so sorry for them. And you, you do it for them. So we have very clever parents at the moment, doing all the homework for their children. <laughs> so the point is, you have to balance self-value equally to the way you value people. So next Sunday, I'm going to talk about how you value people. But tonight, I want to talk about how you value yourself. So the point is this. How do you value things? Well, you have a criteria. You, you look at spending time. You nourish it. You, so, for instance, if I, as in, I, I love studying. I like reading. So, so the same amount that I want to learn and, and get myself educated, that's self-love. To the same measure, equally, I have to try to see if I can't train someone else and teach them. 
So if, if I work for an income for myself, equally, let's see if I can get other people to have a work and an employment the way I have. You see? It's equal. When the equal thing is right, we have a balanced life. We have people that are healthy and normal sort of individuals. The problem is this, is that if you have a low self-esteem and you spend a lot of time with people, then you become like a, maybe you've seen this, you become the sort of person that helps people, but you, you, you're sort of demanding and you're needy. You're helping people, but, but you sort of, there's an aftertaste. How many have seen this? It's like you go, I don't know if I want that sort of help. You, you, you're caring for people, but it's almost with an agenda. It's almost as if, because you're seeking for significance by now caring for people. So the Bible says, love yourself, love your neighbor as yourself, equally. It's a balance. Now, first of all, the Bible is very clear that life matters. And remember last week I said, 4,044 protest actions in the world, black lives matter. And for sure, black lives matter. There's been atrocities and uh, unequalness and, and prejudice and so forth and so forth. And people are s sitting with that pain. But it's interesting that 70% of the people that are attending these protests are white. And it's also interesting that it's mostly working class people that are protesting. And it's almost as if there's a cry out in the world that's saying, we are worth more. We want to be paid more. We want to be recognized more. You have been recognizing all the million-dollar stars and the Hollywood stars, and you've been giving them accolades and so forth. We're important too. And it's almost as if COVID-19 has brought that, that reset in us, that every life matter. Now, this is biblical. Genesis 1 verse 20 says, uh, we are made and created in God's image. In Genesis 9 verse 6 it says, whoever sheds a man's blood, by, man's, by man his blood shall be shed. For the image of God he made man. So I want you to see this. He says, you can't take a life, and for a life you take, your life will be taken. Because it's sacred, it's holy. Why? Because you are made in God's image. Value. Job 31 verse 15. I said, did... Not he who made me in the womb make them. Did not the same one fashion us in the womb? Look at this. This is incredible, guys. He's saying all of us were formed in the womb. We were, we were created with purpose. We were created with destiny. Luke 12, verse 6 to 7, so one that we all know, are not five sparrows sold for two copper coins, and not one of them is forgiven, forgotten before God. And we have the old one cent met two emotions op. Jullie weet dit, nee? En dis vir hierdie versie. Is that your life is more valuable. And, and it was there all these years to remind us all life is valuable. The last one is Psalm 49, verse 8. It says, For the redemption of these souls is costly and it shall cease forever, that he should continue to live eternally and not see the pit. But look at this verse. The redemption of their souls is costly. So any Christian, 
will say, all lives matter. Amen. Alle lives belong. All lives matter. But now I have to break your bubble. It's a nice slogan. But life doesn't work there. Come on, kijk, niet meer zo heilig aan kijk nie. Wie weet? Die lewe is nie, is nie fair nie. Ok, if you bring a beggar who have no occupation, no education and a doctor, and there's this moral issues that now I know the doctors are contemplating whose lives are you saving? If you have to choose between five patients and one of them are a medical doctor who can save lives, who have been all the faculties, the brain surgeon sort of guy, and you have to choose to take him into the hospital versus... I see you don't know what you're so you need to think about it. So the point is this, all lives matter, sure, but here's a paradox. Now a paradox of antinomy is the Afrikaans for that, antinomy, antinomy. So what it means is it's a truth where both truths are true. So, for instance, a very good example in the Bible is about election. No one of us can be saved unless God calls them. Amen? But there's another truth that says, tonight, make a decision and accept the Lord Jesus. And if tonight is the decision, make a decision. Can you hear? So one is calling for a decision, and the other one says, you can't make a decision, God calls you. So what is the truth? Both is the truth. Okay, now we have the same example here now, that all lives matter, but, are you ready for this? Okay, I'm going to so on. Alright. Proverbs 21, verse 2. It says, Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. That's a weg wat for the man's recht like. So, on the facts. On the end of the day, he do it. Proverbs 24, 12 says that God tests the thoughts of man. He tests and weighs the thoughts, what the man thinks. Then Luke 16, verse 15. Now the Pharisees who were lovers of money also heard of these things and they deride him. They mocked him and said to them, You are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your heart. For what is high esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. Okay. 1 Peter 3 verse 4 is, is a scripture that is usually used for women, but I think it de- determines all of us. It said, Do not let the adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather let it be a hidden person of the heart, with the incorruptible beauty of a quiet and gentle spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. So here's a paradox. God values all lives, but he values something more. What does he value more? Okay. I love this, like I said, I I like this car programs, where they take this old 
rubbish car standing in the felt somewhere, been forgotten for 20, 30 years or whatever. And then this restorer would come out and they would restore the car. Have you seen this program? And the, t- you know, the effort they do to dismantle this whole thing and put it back together again. So here's the simple story. You are valuable. You're a Ferrari. You think it's a bit in Ferrus out there. Because the decisions you've made, for instance, let me, let me give you an example. I'm interjecting myself. This week I was talking to someone to help us um, because we're now going to need money to build structures for the homeless and so forth. And so this guy from Cape Town spoke to me and he says, Jan, I'm totally for you. I'm going to donate an amount. I'm, I'm behind you. He says, but I have a question for you. He says, have you asked each one of these homeless people why can't they go live with an aunt a family member or someone? I said, yes, we did. He says, because in his 15 years experience, he has found that most people that are homeless are homeless because they're drinking and they're abusing alcohol and they're violent and they, you know, they've, they've caused such havoc for whatever family they were part of. This family couldn't contain them anymore. Now I'm generalizing. That's not always the case. But it's sometimes the case. So can you understand that sin destroys you? Sin deappreciates the value of what you were first valued for. And so, my point is this, guys, that our true value is when we mirror perfectly the Father. God likes that. Let me put it a different way. Adele actually started this evening with this. He says, Lord, let our faithfulness be mirroring. Let it be equal to your faithfulness. And when I hear that, my, my spirit goes, yeah. <laughs> because you see, God, is, God created this fantastic human being with all these faculties and abilities and muscles and memory and da 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 you have all this stuff we can do. And then he says, go be me. Go be God. Go be gracious. Go be kind. Go be good. Go be loving. Then we become something else. So when God actually, we are valuable, but it's when our value is returned to him that we are truly valuable. Amen? It's when his value that he's put in us gets returned. <laughs> okay, um, the, the wonderful thing about those cars, I like this. I can't even for my so old car club. Sometimes the car gets 100 times the original value of what that car cost. My absolute favorite, favorite car is a Mercedes-Benz 1970 because I'm born in 1970 and it's an SLK. Now SLK, um, it came out in a 250, later in a 300 and it's this sort of small little coupe two-door brilliant car. So I checked this. That car costs something like 5,000, 6,000 rand when it was brand spanking new. Nowadays you will pay close to a million rand. From 500 upwards to a million rand for that Mercedes. Isn't that incredible guys? So you can actually become more valuable. Come on now. The more 
you reflect his life, his image, his character, his nature, his being. Now last week I spoke about this quickly and, and tonight I want to a little bit weigh it in a bit. I said, you see the problem with self-value is all self-value is hierarchical. Hierarchical. Hierarchies. Hierarchical. Okay, thank you. So what does that mean? Amal van ons sê, ek is so slags as daini, maar ek is so reiks as daini. We all do this. Ek is nie so dom as hy daar, en ek is nie so slim as hy, maar ek is nie so slim as hy. So you sort of, the whole time you're measuring yourself in the social sort of scale of things. Hmm, wonder what pas ek nou in here. It is like, and we all do that. Now the problem with that sort of weighing of value system of how we value ourselves, ek weet, jy het my waarvan ek praat, ek het nou net gedink, ek is goed in die ding, en dan kom daar aan die ouwe bij, en dan is hy beter. Hmm. <laughs> ek het nou net lekker begin kitaar speel, Jan Hendrik, en dan is daar aan die ouwe, en dan sit ek my kitaar weg. You remind me of doing that. We would sit in class, my students and I, when I was studying theology, and then we would write a difficult exam, and then there's this young idiot, I don't know who's so stupid, and he finishes first. Like, I'm not even halfway through the test, and he's clear. And he walks out. <laughs> you know, I can't so hard. <laughs> so we had, a, we had a guy in the class that would, he could do that very loud. So whenever that stupid guy who sort of, you know, does the exam in an half an hour, then he goes, <laughs> and the rest of us feel better, you know. Now the problem, guys, come on, you can't value yourself like that. So we had a, we had a professor, a doctor, Jan so one day he got into the class and he was real serious and he looked us like in the eye and he said to us, so how do you feel about yourself today? So how do you feel? Do you f- how do you feel about yourself right now? So if you were me, I was going, I kissed a duck. <laughs> and I didn't do this and I didn't finish that, you know, and I, I would like to do that and so how many of you know that if you value yourself in that way, you, you just fluctuate between depression and more depression and less depression? I mean, it's just like, <laughs> I mean, what I'm talking about, it's like, because there's always someone that is cleverer than you, and there's always someone that's faster or better or younger or more or whatever. And so how does this work? So I have good news for you. I really have good news. I have been crucified. I no longer live. The life I now live, I live by faith in the Son. Come on, guys. My old Jan is buried. He's been crucified with Jesus. The value that I ever thought about I had in myself, the fact that I'm young and the fact Ek het so gehoop, iemand so vir my maas of vir my beter naam gegeet. Ek weet, kan jy nie 
Ekmin yan yan. Minkan can hrizm. Nakka yan. But that guy died. He's dead. There's nothing to value. There's nothing to compare. I'm dead. Hello, people. This come on. This is the most freeing thing. I don't have to compete. You know, when you when you still compete, you're alive. When you're trying to compete and compare, and you know, where am I? I'm dead. I don't live anymore. The life I now live. I live by faith in the Son. So Paul understood this and he says, I boast in my weaknesses. I boast in my infirmities. He says, I boast in the stuff that I'm not good at so that I can unlock the grace of God in my life because what I am today, I am by the grace of God. So there's no boasting. There's no comparing. There's no sort of... And guys, this is a sermon that you need to go get out. It's a simple message. I can tell 10 jokes about this, but this is life-changing. Because I know of young people that look in the mirror and they feel worthless. I know of young people that, you know, because they're living in a competitive world, comparing and it's education and it's, you know, it's subjects and all this stuff. And the God says, hey, you're dead. I don't live anymore. I've been crucified. The life I now live, I live by faith in Him. So, what I am today is the resurrection Christ that lives through me. And that's called grace. Amen? It's that those stuff where God's, when I'm good and I go, man, that wasn't me. Or when I prophesy, I go, that wasn't me. Or when God works grace in me to do whatever wonderful, I go, that's not me. Amen? How many now I'm talking about? Now we can boast, we can glory, we can testify, and we can say, thank you, Lord Jesus. I didn't deserve all that. But you gave it, and you, you are willing to work this glory through earthen vessels, he says, broken vessels, that he wants to display this glory. Amen. Now, I want to take you quickly. If the image of Christ is our true determined value, then being like Jesus must become our ultimate goal. Amen. So if my true value is determined by the image, the glory, the, the mirroring of God's image in me, then that should become the most important thing in my life. Amen? Okay, so how? Five quick, and you know all this, but I'm just categorizing it and bringing it together. So how do I become like Jesus? How do I become more like Jesus? Because, you know, when I'm the, like him, I'm the best husband, I'm the best employer, I'm the best worker, I'm the best person I can be because now I, I reflect his image. First of all, you need to be born again. Amen. You need to be born again. You can't do it. And, and Spurgeon has this story about a pig um, trying, you know, you decide, I'm going to make... This pig, I'm going to make you a cat. So you give him a cat name, cat collar, you give him a cat food, you give him a, f a cat sand basket thingy. What do you call that? Toilet. <laughs> right. and, uh, and then you give him, when he, when he mouths, you give him a sweet. 
and when he sort of, then you clap him. So you enforce a sort of disciplinary system here of reward, you know, like they train. So will it, let me just say, will this work? So at the moment, you know, the pig see the door open, he's going to run for it. Beeline. Because you can't change the nature of something. So how many know that the only way that I can become like Jesus is I need to be born again. He needs to rebirth in me the new person in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says that I'm a new creation. All the old things have passed away. 1 Peter 1 verse 23 says that we have been born by incorruptible seeds. So it's something God has done. He has changed our nature and he has changed our being. Secondly, Colossians 3 verse 10 uses, and you can actually go read the whole Colossians 3, because he uses this word over, over in this passage, clove. Clove yourself with Jesus. Clove yourself with his way. Clove yourself. So the idea is, he says, you're a new man. He actually talks about this in, I think, verse 6 or 7. He says, you're a new man. So if you're a new man, why do you do all these bad things? And then he continues further, and he says, Clothe yourself with his humility, with his forgiveness, with his way. So this is what we're doing in our Bible school, is we are studying the life of Jesus so that we can find out what was his values, his ways, his, the way he lived life. And like you put on clothes, you, you clothe yourself with that way. I mean, you can do it today with following a diet or following a lifestyle or whatever. You, we, we often clothe ourselves in society, don't we? So we're just saying, as Christians, we clothe ourselves with His way. His attitude, His life becomes our life. Thirdly, this is the difficult one, but it's the most blessed one. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18. But we all, with unveiled face, behold, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. How many of you were blessed last, last week with Jan Hendrik when he came to testify of a moment he had with Jesus? Now, how many know that the revelation of Christ is the best sight adjustment you can have? There's nothing that corrects your sight about what is valuable and what is not valuable as having a revelation of Jesus. It's not someone else's revelation. It's not what I'm doing or what someone else is preaching. Is you had a personal encounter in a way that he spoke to you. He revealed himself to you. And when that happens, how many know this is the blessed thing? This is where life changed. And it constantly changed in our walk with God. Then, fourthly, Acts 17, verse 26. It says, Nor is he worshipped with man's hands as though he needs anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. James 1, verse 24 says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, but immediately forgets what kind of man he was. So what's my point? Number four. And this is the hard one. All the, the first three is something God does. The fourth one is daily 
obedience. So people ask me, he says, in Matthew 16, 24, he says, if you want to come and follow me, you need to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. And some people say, so how do you take up your cross? Well, that's easy. Those are the stuff that God requires from you where you say, Lord, let this cup pass. <laughs> that can do this one. How many have been there? Now, someone asked me a while ago, they said, Jan, how are you doing? They haven't seen me for a long time. And and at that moment, I had a poetic moment, Francho. And I don't know if I can do it again, though. So I said to him, my life has been concentric circles of dying to self daily. How many can agree with that? I mean, if you become a follower of Jesus, there's going to be moments where he's going to require something of you that's going to cost you your life. Where he says, this is too hard. Come on, people. The gospel is not just, you know, to make you feel good and, you know, just be blessed and lacquer. The gospel is about dying to self. So if you want to become a believer and true believer, you're going to have many moments of dying to self. Number five, quick. Our calling. Colossians 1.24 uh, Paul says, I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church. None of us can suffer or carry the full weight and fullness of Christ again. So we have received portions, which I call personal calling. For some people, God requires that you sell your house and become a missionary. But he doesn't require that from everyone. From others, he requires to stand in office, like some of our leaders at the moment, Chief Justice, standing in office at the moment for a certain right and truth. And, and some of us have been required certain positions, which is your suffering. Paul says, I carry in my flesh, I bear something of the burden of Christ. How many know what I'm talking about? And this is very important because if you do not do that, the rest of the body suffers. Okay? Because that area in your life where God requires this kind of lifestyle of obedience is necessary so that the fullness, like a puzzle piece of Christ, can be put together. Not all of us can sing like Adele do. You know, I like it when she shows off a little bit and she throws herself into an octave and goes to the... And I go, nah. It's just then when I decide to walk away and go sit. <laughs> but that's very important because of her calling. And she has to master that gift and fulfill that gift because she adds that. With all the suffering and price that it cost her to get to that level so that she can add that to the body of Christ. And so all of us have certain things. For me, preaching, you know, I would die, I've committed myself that until my deathbed, you're going to hear me preach. Okay, that's who I am. I'm a preacher. I got 13 years old, Isaiah 58 verse 1, I call you to call iniquities of my people like a trumpet. And that's what I will do. I've been doing it for, for 36 years. So, by God's grace, so what's your calling? I loved it the other night when we were on, on, on uh, Zoom. Uh, someone said about Tuabas, and he said to Tuabas, he says, you don't just uh, plow the earth. God has made you a plower of people's hearts. 
But they've just physically been on that little space of farm in Africa, guys. It's not easy. It's not easy. But I thank God for that calling and that they are obedient to, to fulfill that commission. And each one of us have different commissions. We have different callings. And together, we fill up the fullness of Christ. So I want to end. How do you... Wie van jullie kan nou al beter waarde betaling doen? Ah, yeah. huh? So, you know, we have fully spill stun in here. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the funny thing is that, you know, when we do all these sort of physical stuff, uh, you, you must look at life in 70, 80 years. So, I look at this guy who spent his life gymming and posing in front of the mirror. En nou op 80, maak die saak hoe hy pauze nie die gang. Het jylle gesien, die felle. <laughs> he still looks great in comparison to some other old people his age. But, but you hear what I'm saying? But you've spent your lifetime with that. There must be more about life. So, young people, and they've done research, that remember there's been a generation Remember the generation X, that's what I'm part of, and the baby boomers and all. So the millennials are the biggest sizable generation ever on the planet. They're the first generation that almost not suffered anything except COVID-19 now. They haven't suffered anything. Most of us come out of some period of some suffering some things. So we're living in the most entitled generation that is now coming into jobs and occupations and it comes out of statistics do you know what is the greatest need for these young people they want to feel significant and they want to do something significant when they did this this um, isis you saw this how many young english or european youngsters joined isis did you see this because these young people are saying, just give me something to live for. Life cannot be computer screens and playing games from the morning to evening. Come on. You can tell me over and over, jy is prachtig, jy is my princess, but you know, it just goes so far, now weet jy, dit is so nie. <laughs> you can say all these flaky things, but somewhere, there's somewhere in your life that you say, there must be more. My life must have significance. And so this is where I'm going to end. From worthless to masterpiece is when we fulfill the image of God. Amen. When do I become God's masterpiece, Jan? From worthless, Jan, to masterpiece, Jan is when Christ is most filled, most 
exemplified, most demonstrated in every aspect of my life. Amen? So the other day, I, had, I threw a tantrum. It was before COVID-19, though. I've been very spiritual during this thing. Virus. So, so I had a moment, and Chantal, my, my dear wife, she had to bear that, where I was... Kijk, ek is een vreselike positieve mens, baie positief, maar die dag is ek negatief slag, negatief slat nie, en ek spoeg, dan vrek die gras nie daar. <laughs> As ek wasem op die ruit gooi, dan vries die vriendster, jy weet, is like, ek raak so koud en sinies en negatief vir die leven, is like, jy sê, jy wil dit sien nie, is like, please pray for me that those moments, <laughs> ok, but I had a moment like that, and the Holy Spirit convicted me. The Holy Spirit says, do you want to be a leader? I said, yes, Lord, that's my calling. He says, then you never, ever have the privilege to do that. Come on, people. So you know what, when, when we begin to follow the way of Christ, it's a narrow way. Sometimes a lone path, it's sometimes you can't share it with everyone. But we are the best masterpiece of ourselves when we reveal the glory of Christ. So Father God, tonight, I pray, Lord, open our eyes. Lord, I ask you for a, what's a, what's a, atometrist. Lord, I ask you to be the spiritual atometrist. Amen. Just close. Say, Lord, heal my eyes so that I will judge right, value what is truly valuable, and discard what is not. Help me to look at myself in a new way. Lord, I pray, everyone listening, everyone that is listening to this podcast, everyone that's going to to this podcast, I pray that this message, simple message, will be a life-changing message as we accept our true image. You know, we talk about people and say, I'm so image. You know what, for Christians, the only image that we bear to, to, to have is the image of Christ. And so, Lord Jesus, I ask you that you will cleanse us, heal us, save us. And, Lord, let us walk in obedience. I now pray for workers. I pray for people out there from the north to the south to the east to the west. I call for, Father, young people, millennials. I call for soldiers of Christ that wants to live lives of significance. I call them out of the darkness. I call them out of the hills and the countries. I call them out of the cities. I call them out of behind the games of playing games all night. Father, I call them out of a worthless life of selfies and photos and image. Lord, I call them into a life of significance. And the only significance we can have in this life that has weight and glory is when we live the life of Jesus Christ. So, Father, I pray, help us open our eyes. Let us see. Let us behold. Let us come to this truth. And Lord, I pray that you are building your church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Amen.
Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Is there anyone that wants to add? Jan Hendrik, so just come and share what's on your heart. Ja, so, Monika myself was by, was onlangs by, by mense gewees. Hulle, die vrou is a pottebakker. En, um, dit is amazing om te sien, die weet hoe, hoe precies werkt dit, en toe hulle vir ons verduidelik, ons het hulle gehelp met iets, en toe wil hulle vreselig graag vir ons een geskenk gee. So die vrou sê toe, maar hulle wil, weet, ons met nade staan, hulle wil vir ons ietsie maak, een beker en my so een skinkboord. Nou kan ek sien, hier was al een paar ouwens gewees wat tamelijk, jy weet, bekwaam is met die, met die stuk klei. En dan is al ouwens wat nie is nie, en jy, jy weet het onmiddellik, want jy kyk die spatsels in die meer, want dit is al ding van die boord afkom, en ek kan nie maar vergeet van jy nie vir hem. So, toe ons, toe ons al kom, toe sê hulle vir my, vir my vrou, jy weet, um, ja, hulle het nou gelukkig die man, het al reeds die klei begin brei, yes. So, dit was die proces voor die tijd geweest. Dan denk ik net, jy weet, as, as die breiproces in my leven begin, is dit nie een vreselike aangename proces nie. Maar die, dit wat gaan volg is valuable. Dit wat gaan volg gaan gevorm word. So, sy sê, daar is die stuk al gebruik, so ons het nou nie hele tyd kom, ons nie, maar die, hierdie stuk is al gebruik, dan sê sy nou, wat belangrijk is, is jy met hierdie stuk klein nou in die middel sit van hierdie boord, daar is hoe'n merk. Dit moet in die center wees. En uh, die gevolg is, as het nou nie op my merk is nie, dan kry jy nou hierdie ge, dan lyk die bezigheid so, en as hy daar afkom, dan is het net nacht, dan kry jy klein, ek het so'n ding gemaakt op school, klein geldbakkie, dit moet so'n asbakkie of een ding gewees het, maar, maar ek ding het so gelik. So, ons leer is precies die selfde. As hierdie klein nie in die middel is nie, nie in die pottebakkerse hande is nie, dan, uh, dan is ons, weet, dan kan hy ons nie vorm nie. Ek denk al ander ding toe volgend, soms net so saam met, saam met ons geliefd is, wat, wat denk oor waarde, ek denk het myself, toe ek met die stuk sit, en ek wonder bykie oor, oor waarde, toe denk ek onmiddellik, maar wat is die waarde van God in my leven? Wie, wat is ons sachlik waardevol, as jy langs die pad gaan staan, is paarwoem. Jeeg, jy sal nie geloof nie. Maar vir my het hy nou ge- eindelijk geen doel soos wat my bakkie daar buiten staan nie. Vir ons katbare waarde nie, as ek om nodig het, die dag. So ek, ek wonder net, so net saam met, met elke kind van, van julle, denk ek myself net, jy weet, as ek die, die waarde van God in my leven misplaas, dan kan ek best moendlik ook my eie waarde misplaas. Hoe waardevol is God in my leven? Ek wil net so een tekst met julle deel, en dan is ek klaar. Dit is een gedeelte in Prediker. Dan denk ek nie, ek sal het so vinnig daar kan kry nie. Daar staan in die gedeelte die message. Matthies 16 vers 25. Jesus wat self praat in die message, dan staan daar, want meeste van jullie goed, as jy nou in die boekwinkel ingaan, 
om jezelf waarde uit te bouwen, is meeste van die goed self gecentreerd ook. Er staan nou in die message in uh, Matthäus 16:25. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way, to finding yourself, your true self. So, maar ek wil, ek wil so maar net allemaal van ons daarmee bemoedig. Dankie, ja. Oh, I just wanted to sing you a song um, just around these. I actually had this song prepared, but I, I know why the Lord put it on my heart now because I think I need to release it to you now. So it's, um, it's called Broken Vessels. Uh, and there's a part that says, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch. That part you know. Um, so it's, it's in there because if you realize that you're a broken person in a broken world but his grace has come you know and every day of our lives we get to ask God Lord grace me grace me with with those empty things that are in me fill me with you you know and he he fills us with his gold start that all these pieces broken and scattered in mercy gathered mended and whole empty-handed but not but not forsaken i've been set free i've been set free and then the chorus is i can see it now i can see the love in your eyes all these pieces broken and scattered, mercy gathered, mended and whole, empty handed but not forsaken, I'm being set free, I'm being set free. Say 
Christ. Bring your brokenness to Him right now. He wants to make a masterpiece out of you. There's nothing too broken. There's nothing too wasted. There's no one out there. No one here. No matter how broken, how abused, how neglected you are, He wants to make a masterpiece out of your life. Surrender your life to Him right now. Surrender your life to Jesus and let Him make of you someone of significance. He's a specialist to make out of ordinary people, people of significance, people of value, not just in words, but in true acts of living Jesus out there. Just give, just there we are. Say, Lord, I give you my weakness. I give you my insecurities. I give you my complexities. Come on, just there we are. Say, Lord Jesus, give you new complex actors. God wants to make a masterpiece out of Each one of us, he has destined for special purpose but that purpose is locked up in him so Father I ask you tonight let this be a defining moment let this tonight at this hour be the defining moment in each one of our lives as we surrender self we just give up self and say Lord Jesus be glorified in us yes just receive that grace right now Thank you, Lord Jesus. You can do this. You can do this. Thank you, I'm not